You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Tinderbox, episode number three for the season. We are the podcast for Matchsticks in Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Today we're talking Flames and Flyers. I am joined by Kelly, who is part of Broad Street Hockey, the Philadelphia Flyers website for SB Nation. Good afternoon, Kelly. How are you? Thanks for spending some time with us. No problem. Thank you for having me. Great. So let's uh, hop right in. Uh, We're going to Flames and uh, Flyers play uh, this week. Uh, we are recording this on Sunday, so some of uh, the Flames stats may be a little bit off by the time uh, game time comes around, but we're going to get this done ahead of time and get it out there so we can inform you, the Flames fans, about the Flyers and Flyers fans, vice versa. So let's start off a little bit with uh, the Flyers. You guys have a rather odd schedule so far this season. You've only played three games, and um, what's the deal with that? How's that working out? Well, I I guess it's tough to schedule a lot of games when the league insists on starting your season in three separate countries and three (laughs) separate time zones. It makes things a little bit difficult. I I mean, I'm surprised that they were able to skate in Vancouver. They came from the Czech Republic to Philly, played a game in Philly, right off to Vancouver. Um, It's got to be rough on these guys. That's a lot of jet lag, a lot of travel. So, yeah. Yeah, the east to west is enough. You know, going from, say, Philly to Calgary or Philly to L.A. is a bad enough trip. Going halfway around the world, that's probably yeah. not exactly the easiest scenario to start your season. But in your three games, uh, the Flyers are putting the puck in the net. Um, so scoring, clearly not an issue with you guys. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice change to start the season this <laughs> year. Um, uh, we were, I guess we're not going 82-0, which is a little bit disappointing. I guess we'll have to settle for, you know... 81 or yeah 81 0 oh, and 1 I guess will be where we end up since they, they lost in a shootout last night um but yeah we've got some new faces on the team um Elaine Vigneault shook up some of the lines that we were used to seeing last season to start off this season and it's been working so um I'm assuming if it's not broke he's not going to fix anything anytime soon um we've got a pretty good second line rolling right now uh with Sean Couturier Oscar Lindblom and uh Travis Konechny that is outstanding. So you guys might get a look at that. Um, but yeah, they're they're putting the puck in the net. It was a struggle for us last year, as were a lot of things. Um, so we're happy to see things working out so far. Well, we'll jump right into struggles from last season. The Flyers finished the season at 37, 37 and eight. Um, the big story, I remember the I think the two times we did podcasts with you guys last year was goaltending. Um, mm-hmm. I think at one point you guys went through what, six, seven goaltenders last season? I believe we had eight. Eight. Ooh, wow, that was yeah. way off. Wow. Eight goal. T- hey, if you're gonna, you're gonna, if you're gonna do you're gonna it, do you, it. you might as well yeah. do it big, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, what's the goaltending situation like this year in um in Philly? It's a a relief like nothing I've experienced during my time <laughs> as a Flyers fan. Um, I've been watching this team since the late '90s, and in that entire time, I cannot remember a time that I've felt so sure that we finally have. I'll put it mildly, a reliable goaltender in net. Um, Carter Hart's obviously very young. This is only his first full season in the NHL. But 
everything we see out of his, this kid seems to tell us that he is like preternaturally calm. He's got a super level head. Um, goalies, as we know, are, are a little bit crazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he just, he doesn't seem to have any of those weird, like, don't talk to me before the game. I have to, you know, eat this exact meal or I'm going to die. Like everything with him just seems <laughs> like he's like a regular, normal kid. Um, in the games, he looks super calm. He never looks like he's flailing around. He follows the the puck really well. Um, even when he has to make a flashy save, if you watch it in slow motion, you can see that the kids got the puck the entire way. Uh, we saw that the other night against the Devils. He made a really flashy save, but in slow-mo, you could see his eyes were on the puck the whole time. It's really refreshing just to have something where you don't have to worry. Is this the game where the goaltending is going to blow it? It's just nice to know that we have something back there that can give the team a chance to win. And it's been a long time since we've had that. Yeah, because your backup is um, Brian Elliott for Calgary Flame for one season. Uh, Elliott (laughs) uh, didn't exactly have the best showing when he was in Calgary. So uh, for Flyers fans, I'm sure it's a relief to have Hart as opposed to Brian Elliott as your uh, number one coming into a new season where you're hoping to... uh, so leave last year's struggles behind and yeah. become a better hockey team. Yeah, heading into so, last season. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was no, just no, going to say ahead, heading in, yeah, I was going to say heading into last season with a tandem of Michael Neuvert and Brian Elliott uh, was not a, a good move. Um, they're both, no. you know, kind of made of glass, so yeah. yeah. Fair enough. So, um speaking of struggles, Philly's lost four out of their last five times they've been to Calgary. Um any idea why Philly struggles when they're in Calgary? Do you think it's maybe the jet lag thing? Or I, I, you know, I didn't really look at where Philly had played before that. So I don't know if it's, you know, Philly's coming into Calgary at the end of a three-game road trip or a four-game road trip. Or, you know, they've played in Washington the night before and then they're off to Calgary, something like that. But the Flyers definitely have struggled when they've come to Calgary. Yeah, these kinds of things are always weird, I think, to nail down. Sometimes it's just... A mental block, I think, with certain teams. Sometimes it's just a random coincidence. Um, the Flyers typically start the season out west. Um, a lot of times it's in California this year. It's in Western Canada. And usually we end up, like most teams, just running through the whole western part of Canada in one swing. Um, so it's likely that the Flyers may have been a bit tired when they've gotten to Calgary. Um, maybe have played the Canucks the night before, Edmonton the night before, or something like that. Yeah. Um also, over the last couple of seasons, the Flyers have had a lot of problems of their own to deal with. Um, like we've talked about, goaltending wasn't very reliable. Uh, the coaching was a bit of a mess. Um, the general morale of the team was a bit messy. So if we're talking on the last two years, the last four or five games, things weren't great for the organization as a whole. Um, to top that off, Calgary's got some serious weapons that you have to deal with. And if your team's not shored up on the back end and things aren't gelling, you know, Johnny Gaudreau is going to make you look silly. And that's, you know, it's just one of those things. Sometimes you struggle. I would be interested to see how they match up this time. I think it's going to be a bit different. Yeah, I would think so too, especially with um, heart and goal. You've got somebody completely different now. And that, that adds another layer to this. And it's also, I think it's hard too, because these aren't the typical rival games. You know, it's not right. like they play each other twice a season and it's like, okay. And a lot of the times it is like, you know, you run through a gauntlet where like, you know, Calgary's out West, you know, they've had the Kings and Dallas who they struggle against and they got pounded in Vegas. And 
Now they got San Jose coming up on Sunday night. And I think it's just one of those things that gets to that point where it's like, okay, here's a team from the East. Let's just get through it and move on with life. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. And I'm sure yeah. vice versa, when the East comes out West, they're like, it's good to go to that place. It's cold. It's in the middle of nowhere. So <laughs> I can kind of see how maybe that would uh, lend to some struggles when you're coming to a different arena per se. Because um, I know Calgary does that when they go to St. Louis. They can't play in St. Louis. It's terrible. Mm. They, they struggle in Dallas. So um, there are places. It's weird. That just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just weird little, you know, hiccups like that tend to happen. So um, so uh, anything else we need to know about uh, the Flyers uh, coming into the game this week? Anybody we should be looking out for? Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> one of the yeah. So like I said, we added some stuff this offseason, um, yep. some good stuff. The main piece that we added was uh, Kevin Hayes as mm-hmm. allegedly our second line center right now, our first yep. line center. Um but he's been a great addition because, number one, it gives us a really solid one-two punch down the center. Um, that's been something that's been kind of, since Giroux moved to wing, it's been something that the Flyers have been lacking. They had a really great top line. The second line with Nolan Patrick or whoever they threw in there at the time was always a little bit of a question mark. Um, so having Kevin Hayes on the team, he and Couturier is your top two centers, Really reliable, always going to produce for you. Additionally, he's been an excellent penalty killer for us so far, and our penalty kill was a real mess over the last couple of seasons. So that has improved quite a bit, which is nice to see. Um, and again, Carter Hart, um, you're going to want to watch him just because, if nothing else, the kid's fun to watch. So, Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Now, Philly is a notoriously tough town to play in. That's what uh, they say. Fan, fan base wise. <laughs> um, how, how is the fan base reacting so far this season? I mean, I know it's still early, but, you know, new additions, new players, um, you know, you're off to a, a decent start. Uh, what's the reaction from the fan base been like? People happy for now? Yeah, so far it's been really great. Um, the summer was a bit of a roller coaster. Um, not everyone was happy when they decided to go with Elaine Vigneault for the head coaching mm-hmm. job. Um a lot of people weren't happy with the signing of Kevin Hayes because they thought it was too much money, which like, you know, it's an unrestricted free agent. They always get too much money. That's kind of how it goes. <laughs> yeah. um, we brought in some guys on defense, Matt Niskanen, Justin Braun. A lot of people weren't super thrilled about that because they're, the underlying numbers for those two aren't great. And the Niskanen trade was weird because they traded Gudis and retained salary. And that was like a whole weird thing that no one seemed to understand. Yeah. So over the summer, there was a lot of up and down. Um, heading into training camp, People were excited that perhaps some of the rookies would make the team. Um, A couple of young guys did make the team, but it wasn't the ones that we wanted. So that was a little bit of a disappointment. But once they won that game in Prague and once they came home and they won at home, which um, was something they really needed to do because this fan base had gotten a lot uh, really disconnected over the last couple of seasons, just because not only have they not been winning, they've also been really boring and not fun to watch. So they have kind of lost, they've lost the attention of the city and coming home and not only winning their home opener, but winning it in a really fun fashion. Again, with that big save by Carter Hart was like a a real highlight for us. Um, It seems like people are re-energized because the team looks good and we're not, it's been a long time. I think people right now are just kind of being cautiously optimistic that perhaps this team is good and they're finally going to start winning games and we're actually going to have fun watching the Flyers again. Excellent. All great points and totally makes sense. So we are going to take a quick break right now to pause for some uh, advertising, and we will be right back after this. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to The Tinderbox, episode number three for this season. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. We are talking with Broad Street Hockey today, and Kelly has been kind enough to join us. Broad Street Hockey is the SB Nation website for the Philadelphia Flyers, and we are chatting Flyers and Flames ahead of the Calgary Flames and Philadelphia Flyers game, which is coming up on, I don't have the date in front of me. I knew that was going to happen. Tuesday. Tuesday, perfect. I have the Flyer schedule open, and there it is. So Kelly saves the day. Fantastic. (laughs) I'm so prepared for these things. It's amazing how professional we are here. If I'm being honest, the only reason I knew is because I looked like seconds before we started this conversation. Fair Fair enough. I I probably should have jotted it down in a little uh, pre-conversation notes I was taking but hey, it's it's Sunday and right, exactly it's the end of the weekend so uh what do you want to know about the flames yeah so one of the things that I'm most interested in talking to you about is a few of the off-season moves that you made well one in particular that kind of confused me a little bit and I'm guessing <laughs> you might know which one I'm talking about um James Neal for Milan Lucic um <laughs> I know James Neal makes a lot of money yeah um but also he's relatively good at hockey despite being just an abhorrent human being who likes to mm-hmm. meet people and stuff like that mm-hmm. um milan lucic not great at hockey generally <laughs> no but likes so, punching people so he does like doing that so I, i'm curious to know like how you guys felt when that happened how you think it's working out so far like are you happy with that or we are we actually this is one of the things we actually brought up on our podcast this week because it is a hot topic in calgary and it's not so much the Flames fans that are losing their minds over it. It's the Oilers fans that are losing uh-huh. their minds over it because the Oilers are, you know, neener, neener, neener. We got James Neal. You stink. <laughs> you got Milan Lucic. And looking at it on paper, it looks like the Flames completely got fleeced in that deal. Um, it's also never good when you get fleeced by the Oilers. No. Um, you know, so it's, uh, it's a tough spot. That I look at it this way. James Neal was terrible last year in Calgary. Um, yeah. And I'm not surprised that they didn't give him a second chance to kind of, you know, get his feet under him and get moving. Um, but it also does kind of surprise me because Calgary has given Sam Bennett all the leash in the world and he's still trying to, you know, figure out who he is. Whereas James Neal did have a track record of being, a, you know, somebody who's good at the hockey, you know. Right, yeah. So, um, but the deal, I think it happened. I think I was on vacation when it happened and I ended up looking at it and going, really? They traded James Neal for Milan Lucic. I'm like, nah, that's like a bag of pucks for a bag of pucks. You know, James Neal didn't do anything in Calgary last year. Lucic was a nightmare in Edmonton. And I think both teams actually got something they needed. Uh, James Neal, he, you know, got to revive. And it's going to be easier for him to score a million goals this year because he's playing with Connor McDavid. Never Uh, in Cal. In Calgary last year, he wasn't good enough to make the Sean Monahan Johnny Gaudreau line because Elias Lindholm came flying out of the gate and took that spot. And for the most part, the famed 3M line of Matthew Kachuk, Michael Backlin, and Michael Froelich played well together. Froelich tailed off toward the end of the season, but James Neal didn't do anything to make that jump to knock Froelich out of that spot. So he was playing a bottom six role on a team where a role he's not accustomed to playing. And he clearly wasn't happy in Calgary. And I think getting him out to Edmonton makes sense. He's in Edmonton now. He's good for him. I'm glad he's having success, whatever. That's fantastic. 
But the Lucic side, I actually like the deal more now than I did when it happened, it, which sounds crazy because Lucic, I can't ice skate, and I think I skate faster than Lucic. Um, <laughs> he just doesn't have that burst. You know, he's two seasons removed from being a 50-point player, and it's, it's, I don't see the numbers cranking up that high ever again for him. But with the Flames losing Michael Furlan two years ago and losing Garnett Hathaway this offseason, Calgary needed some sort of beef. They needed somebody to do the dirty work in the corner, somebody to be the grinder, the sandpaper. And Lucic fills that role perfectly for Calgary. Sam Bennett is another guy who can kind of grind with him a little bit. But, I mean, you saw it in uh, Calgary's first game against Colorado. He had 17 minutes in penalties. Um, just, it was, he got a misconduct, he got a fighting major. It was, he was, he was all over the place, but he was defending his teammates. Um, Austin Zarnick took two really bad hits. One of them, the final one was, it was a borderline cheap hit, um, that sent Zarnick into the boards and Zarnick, um, and, you know, he, he missed some games due to that. And Lucic stepped right in, um, fought a guy who didn't want to fight and Lucic didn't care and punched him in the face. Um, <laughs> so he's, and you know, he's, he's been doing what he's supposed to do is Again, he's he's getting he's on the second power play unit, which I think is hysterical, uh, which just shows you where Calgary's power yeah. play is. But um, yeah, honestly, like yes, Edmonton is loving it right now. They're gloating. I, we get more responses to articles we post from Edmonton fans going, "Hey, James Neal scored again. What did Lucic do today?" And it's like we get it. Good. Yeah. Good for you. But I don't. I mean, James Neal can score forty goals this season, but is he going to be playing in the spring? You know? Yeah, the, I- the idea. Yeah, the idea of Oilers fans um, trying to dunk on anybody is a little. I know. A little funny. Like maybe slow yeah, down there. Yeah, um, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. That's like me. You know, a Dolphins <laughs> fan. You know, being like, hey, Patriots, let's move. <laughs> Type deal. So um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is the goaltending situation. You guys yep. um, let Mike Smith walk. I think right. Um, yeah, we did another Calgary to Edmonton, Edmonton to Calgary, sort of. Yeah, and then ended up with our old pal Max, or uh, yeah, Talbot, Cam, Cam Talbot, Talbot yeah. not Max Talbot. Um, maybe Max Talbot and, would be better. I don't maybe, know. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Um, in net, I don't know. But um, I'm I'm kind of curious because it seems like when we were looking at the Flames last season, that was always kind of the question mark for you guys was goaltending because Mike Smith was yeah. kind of an an up and down guy. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, you lost in the first round. Um, do you feel like you guys? short of the goaltending enough. And do you think that the changes that were made, um, the Lucic thing, I think you guys brought in, I know you signed Matthew Kachuk. That was obviously a big deal. Yeah. Um, who else did you bring in this year? Is it Calgary? Uh, uh, you didn't do a ton uh, of Tobias Reader. They didn't, yeah, they didn't oh, do it. Right. It was, yeah. But you didn't really need to, right? Like it was just kind of a tinkering off season, I think. Yeah. The core of the flames is still together and it's the, yeah. the Gaudreau, the Monaghan, Kachuk, uh, Elias Lindholm, Mark Giordano, uh, you know, Travis Hamanick, Noah Hannafin, that the, the core group of Michael Backlund, that whole core group of players is what drives the flames engine. Um, mm-hmm. this was a very, very hard off season to write, uh, cause nothing happened. Um, you know, you used to be sitting there like refreshing the Twitter feed or the flames feed being like, sign somebody, sign somebody, you know, it's like that. That, that internet meme with the guy poking a stick. We had one. It was like, poking the <laughs> it was like do something, please. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it, the goaltending situation. Um, I do think it's better than last year, mainly from the standpoint of David Riddick got a ton of experience last year. Um, and he is, I mean, he got shelled last night. He didn't exactly have a, a good game um, against Vegas, but Calgary doesn't play well in Vegas, but that's a whole different story. Um, 
I think Riddick definitely is the clear cut number one. Coming into the season, there was talk that it was going to be a 1A, 1B between him and Talbot. And Talbot didn't have a great preseason. Um, he had one good game at the end, but his first couple of games, he was, mm, it's a preseason, so it's kind of hard to judge. Yeah. But um, I think if Riddick can start, say, 60, maybe do like a 60 40 type split, maybe something like that, I think they should be. They should be fine. Um, if they have to rely on Cam Talbot for any reason, if, say, Riddick were to get hurt or he would go into some sort of prolonged slump, um, I think then you might see Calgary in a little bit of trouble because the goaltending stable in the uh, minors is, to put it nicely, terrible. Um, <laughs> John Gillies, who was supposed to be the anointed, you know, the future of Calgary goaltending, is, like, playing his way out of Calgary. He's so bad. The problem is nobody wants him. Mm. Um Tyler Parsons is still too young. Uh, it's just, it's not the, it's just really not a lot down the, the pipe. So the, we're all in on David Riddick. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's Riddick or bust, but uh, I think Riddick's going to be fine. He's got, his confidence is amazing. I mean, he had a quote the other night after a game, they were like, you're in a zone. He goes, I show up at the rink every day. Whenever I play, I'm in a zone. You know, he's very <laughs> confident. Um, he's kind of, well, he's good. got that, he's got that good goaltender mentality too, but he, sometimes he runs a little hot. You know, he's known to break a stick uh, last year and a, that Flames lost a game in overtime on a controversial goal, and he smashed his stick on the goalpost and whipped the butt end of the stick out towards the officials like he lost his mind. Um, so he's clearly goaltender crazy, you know, which we, you know, mentioned yeah. earlier. Most of them have to be. Most of them are, but, yeah. Um, I'm uh, I'm fully confident that David Riddick is uh, Calgary's answer in that. Um, Mike Smith, uh, good on him. You know, he's never been great. He's always been yeah. serviceable. Um Last year, you know, he stepped in, Riddick got hurt, and uh, he had to come in. And honestly, Mike Smith, it's going to sound stupid, is the only reason Calgary stayed in the playoffs for five games. Uh, he had an amazing showing against Colorado, where I think in the span of like two games, he faced a hundred something shots. It was like, it was a oh, joke. Wow. Like Mike Smith, despite being, you know, older and held together with, you know, duct tape and rusted parts did a, did a good job for the flames in the playoffs, but um, bringing him back didn't seem to make any sense. And, you know, if he does well in Edmonton, again, good on him. Seems like a great guy, but um, Calgary just needed to go younger with their goaltending. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with their goaltending. Cool. Um, I mean, otherwise uh, things, I'm oh, sorry. No, God. I was going to say other things like the off season wasn't that exciting. You know, it was a bunch of, uh, what do you want to call them? Uh, a bunch of PTOs came in and, you know, none of them were like, you're coming in on a PTO, you're playing yeah. the, la the role of you're the ninth forward or <laughs> the 10th right, forward right. and, and you're getting scratched most of the time. And that's kind of what you're seeing right now with them. So, but the Kachuk was obviously the big signing. They needed him. Um, he took a little less money and a, a you know, a smaller a bridge deal, basically, Yeah. Um, instead of a long-term deal. And he did it because he's like, I don't want you know, any of these guys to be cut or sent from the team because I like the current team we have now. They were going to have to move somebody like Michael Furleek or TJ Brody um, to accommodate a longer deal for more money. And Kachuk was like, look, let's just do this deal. Let's keep this team together and see where it goes, which is kind of rare uh, and and this day and age in hockey. But, you know, you look at Calgary, they've got Monaghan, Gaudreau, Kachuk, Lindholm, uh, Hannafin, Giordano, all those guys locked up for it. 7 million and under. I mean, it, it's which is outstanding. Insane. When you yeah. look at, you know, the salaries that McDavid makes and Austin Matthews and all those guys, the big, big money they take up in their team salary cap. I mean, 
Johnny Gaudreau's making six seven five a year, which I say only six seven five. I would love that to make <laughs> right. that, but you know, it's like Calgary's um, Brad for Living has done a great job of spreading that money out and yeah. keeping that core together. Okay. Um, one last question I'm going to ask you is: sure. Is there an under the radar player that Flyers might Flyers fans might not uh, know to keep an eye on that you think that they should watch for in this game? Um. I don't know how much longer he's going to be under the radar, but I'm going to go with Noah Hannafin. Okay. Um, Hannafin's having a really, really good start to his season. He's very solid. Uh, last year was good for him. Uh, he was, you know, he was the, the, I guess what you would have called it was the big piece in the deal with Carolina. And then uh, Elias Lindholm overshadowed him last season. But um, uh, Hannafin's playing solid defense. He's got a really good shot. He moves the puck well coming out of the zone. Um I would say keep an eye on Noah Hannafin. Um, he's got the potential because, you know, Mark Giordano's, it's it's crazy to think a guy who's in his mid-30s is old. Um, sports <laughs> know, wise, right? You know, so, but you got to think Giordano's probably on the back end of his career. Um, TJ Brody is nothing special on defense anymore. He's an absolute turnover machine. Um, so it's somebody's going to have to go up there with Rasmus Anderson, and you would probably think in, you know, maybe two, three years of everything, you know, stays as is Noah Hannafin could probably be up top with a guy like Rasmus Anderson. And that's a very good young defensive pairing. So uh, Noah Hannafin would be the guy that I think um, Flyers fans should keep an eye on. And awesome. it's easy to say, Johnny, it's easy to say Johnny Gaudreau, but it's, well, I think man. we're forced to watch him because I don't know if you knew this, <laughs> but he's from South Jersey. Is he? I, Which I means, haven't heard that he's from just outside. Right, Philly. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Um, <laughs> yeah. So we are like, uh, culturally obligated to pay attention to every single human being <laughs> that comes from like a 50 mile radius around Philadelphia. So fair, fair <laughs> enough. It's, it's kind of, that's a Boston thing too. I kind of, yeah. this way. I'm just outside of Boston and Noah Hannafin went to BU. So he played up here. So, well, there uh, you go. So we'll go with him. So yeah, so that's a, uh, yeah, that's a, uh, that's flame stuff. Cool. So, Good all right. Stuff. Well, uh, all right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up here on episode three of the Tinderbox. We want to thank Kelly from Broad Street Hockey for coming on so we could talk about the Flyers. And then we switched gears and we shared a little bit of the uh, Calgary Flames insight so uh, Philadelphia can know what they're getting into when they uh, meet the Flames on Tuesday. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on and joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. This was fun. Excellent. And uh, don't forget to listen and check back every Friday. We typically do our Tinderbox podcast on Friday mornings, and it's usually posted in the afternoon. So keep an eye out for that. Again, we are Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you soon.